And welcome back to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host... Brighter Later. Hey, guys. And today we're talking about legalization of drugs. There's a lot of people out there pushing for the legalization of drugs. I personally think that's a horrible idea. I think it normalizes it, and uh, I think it would make it rampant through our communities, and uh, it would just be a really bad situation all the way around. We already have somewhat of an example of legalized drugs it's called the opioid epidemic, and which has uh, gotten through um, quite a bit of it's gotten through um, legal prescription drugs. Right. You had something you wanted to read? Yeah, so this dovetails right with it. And this is from an article from 2017 by a Vox reporter that uh, presumably was originally pretty liberal on drugs and believed in decriminalization. But after studying the opioid epidemic, he started to realizing that uh, legalizing drugs is ultimately a pipe dream. It says, this was, this, this was exactly what anti-legalization activists have warned about. Companies got a hold of a dangerous addictive product, marketed it irresponsibly, and lobbied for tax rules. The government regulatory response floundered. The government even wondered with, even worked with the drug companies in some cases under the influence of lobbying, campaign donations, and drug maker funded advocacy groups. And people got addicted and died. Looking at this crisis, it slowly but surely dawned on me. Maybe full legalization isn't the right answer to the war on drugs. Maybe the U.S. can't handle regulating these potentially deadly substances in a legal environment. Maybe some form of prohibition, albeit a less stringent kind, than what we have today is the way to go. Yeah, I, I personally have no problem with the legalization of marijuana as long as marijuana is strictly regulated the way alcohol is. Right. Yeah, I, I would say that... Uh, kind of the argument of uh, of uh, all drugs should be legalized. I actually really do think the opioid epidemic really does, I guess, as aforementioned, really does a good job in underscoring why that is not the case. In that, of course, if you, if you look at the drug rates, you had a slew of uh, of uh, a lot of like opiate painkillers becoming legalized. Obviously, it was under the auspice of uh, pharmaceutical companies. And right away, maybe originally you could say that, uh, look, a lot of these people didn't know what they were getting into when they took these drugs. And that tends to be a lot of the anecdotes. And therefore, you could say that, uh, you know, legalization typically is done under the pretense that they know what they're going into. And that's that's what it's typically done under. And that's what it's argued under, which uh, I mean, you could still argue that once you have these drugs in there and they take them, that regardless, that's a bad argument for legalization. But that probably goes away by the mid 2000s, mid 2010 or 2000 throughout the 2000s when you still see an upswing in uh, drug overdose deaths from uh, uh, painkillers and people had to know back people had to know at least then that okay these are incredibly addictive and if i take these i could get really hooked on them you know well well people think that they know what they're getting into that's the problem until you've been a drug addict you don't really know what you're getting into and once you're a drug addict it's too goddamn late so to say that people know what they're getting into, they, they really, really don't. There's a lot of people out there that bullshit themselves and say, oh, well, you know, I won't get addicted or I can handle it or I can stop anytime I want. You know, that's the that's the uh, stereotypical bullshit line that you hear from people. And they don't realize how powerful the drugs are and how much they take over your life. And people say, well, you know, it'll, it'll eliminate a lot of crime. No, it won't. Yeah. Because you become so addicted to the drug that there's several things that happen. One is that your need for the drug will outpace your ability to purchase it. It'll outpace your income. Secondly, you'll probably lose your job because you'll be so involved in getting high that you're going to lose your job. Right. So it's just a, it's just a really bad uh, rabbit hole to go down. 
Yeah. Well, I guess also with this kind of drug epidemic, why I think the opioid epidemic uh, underscores why this is not a good idea or why legalizing drugs is not a good idea is that once opioids became more accepted in kind of the 90s and pharmaceutical companies uh, were advocating for them more and more, you saw a huge, you saw an inordinate influx in the amount of uh, painkillers produced, okay? And once you saw the supply, you also saw a huge demand for it, you know, (laughs) which should say that... uh, it, it really shows that uh, if you legalize drugs, you're just going to he- see a huge uh, influx in the supply, and therefore there's going to be a huge inc- increase in the demand, you know? Yeah, that's why if I have a situation where, and I've had situations where the where I was prescribed painkillers, and I either didn't, I either barely took them or I didn't take them at all and just took Tylenol, um, and I was able to ride it out because I don't want, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this world you have to deal with. I don't want to add drug addiction to, to, you know, the other shit that you have to deal with in this world. Yeah. Well, I think and, a- and I, and I fully understand people that are in horrible pain from horrible car accidents and, and other mishaps that need, uh, painkillers. I, and I understand them accidentally getting uh, addicted, the people I have an issue with are the people that, that are using it as recreation and get addicted. I don't have any sympathy for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, obviously the case with painkillers that uh, when you used to see kind of pill mills in like the late 2000, early 2010s before they shut all of them down. I mean, these weren't people that uh, were in pain and then inadvertently got addicted to them. These are people, these were just uh, full fledged drug addicts that uh, <laughs> realized that they could get a cheap high from this or that this was a pretty efficient way to get high. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think we should also say that uh, the kind of uh, underscore of uh, underscore how pernicious kind of the the influx of or the acceptance of opiates was in the our drug our drug uh, uh, deaths per capita was about three per 100,000 in 1999, hmm. right at kind of the advent of this. By the end of 2010, it doubled to six. Of course. And that was, it's, it's interesting if you actually look at this, because I didn't know this, but the majority of drug overdose deaths until about 2015 were all from uh, legalized painkillers, which seems shocking, but that, sh- that should really tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, it's not that shocking. This stuff is extremely addictive, physically addictive. Uh, people argue that you can get addicted to marijuana. You can get, uh, you know, uh, not physically addicted, but emotionally addicted. Well, that's probably true. But you could get addicted to drinking soft drinks, but this is an actual drug that you get addicted and you have horrible withdrawals if you don't continue to to do it because your body needs it. Right. And so it's not like you can just quit cold turkey and walk away from it. You just can't. There's a lot of people out there that somehow believe that they can do it. Uh, I don't know what, you know, they lived in a cave their entire life. They don't know what the hell's going on. They they don't watch movies. They don't, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how these people don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of the, the fact of, or, uh, what you said about drug dealers or about drug addicts where they kind of know what they're getting into and a lot of them are probably doing it for fun and therefore your sympathy for a lot of them is uh, pretty diminished. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't care less about some, somebody that uses it for recreation and becomes extremely addicted. I, I couldn't give a rat's ass about that person. That person is getting whatever they deserve. Yeah. I, I would say that uh, from my experience, the people that tend to be the worst drug addicts, uh, drug addicts that I've known in my life, and a lot of them have unfortunately passed away, they were typically pretty prideful to begin with. And I think they, they thought kind of what you're talking about, where they're like, oh, this isn't going to be me. That's for somebody else, where they get addicted to this and die. And unfortunately, that happens to them. And uh, through the, usually through the whole time they were going through the throes of their addiction, they also they were just self-pitying themselves and seemingly doing a total 180 from uh, 
oh, well, I'm never going to addicted to this. To like, I have problems with this, you know? Well, there's two types of people in this world. There's people that can learn from other people's mistakes, and there's people that have to make the mistakes themselves. Unfortunately, when it comes to drug abuse and drug addiction, once you've made the mistake, it's too late to learn. Yeah. And people keep saying, well, you can go into drug rehab. Uh, the people that I know that have gotten seriously into drugs, they're constantly in and out of drug rehab every goddamn you know week or month or you know, they, they last, they'll come out and they'll last maybe a, a week or maybe they'll come out and they'll be using, they'll be sneaking and using drugs inside the rehab and they get kicked out or they'll come out and they'll use it the day they get out, they use, or they might last a week or a month and then they're right back at it. And it's just a continuous cycle. Um, and the, the only people I feel bad for is those people's families. Those are the people I feel bad for. I, I, I the drug, drug addict, he's getting exactly what he needs to get. Um, and if he dies, then he's he's committed suicide. And if that's what that's what if it, it was worth the, the fun, then so be it. Yeah, I guess one of the things you do have to wonder from that, that uh, this is typically a retort to kind of legalizing drugs or a, a retort against legalizing drugs, rather. But they'll say, look, people are just going to do the drugs regardless. And I guess kind of your description of a, a lot of drug addicts where they're just going to like like you brought up that there's two two people, those that learn from a uh, solution, those that learn from what people do and those that uh, never learn or have to, uh, I guess, forebears for, I guess, people learning. It's one of the things I always wonder with a lot of these, a lot of kind of addicts, and this is that uh, if it's really the case that a lot of these people get high regardless, it's then uh, what it could be argued that, uh, oh, what's the point in regulating in the first place if they're just going to do it anyway, you know? Well, the point, the, the point is, is that you may not be able to stop all of them, but you're going to stop some of them. One of the reasons why I never smoked marijuana when I was, a, I used to sneak and drink a little bit of alcohol when I was, even before I was, you know, when I was a teenager, I would, well, when I was a teenager, I drank a lot of alcohol. But when, you know, even before that, I would sneak and take a sip and I was curious. Now, that's because alcohol was around my one aunt and uncle, they were alcoholics and alcohol was around. So I figured if it was legal and it was available to everybody else, then it must be okay to at least to a certain degree. Drugs were never around that I was aware of. Right. And if they had have been, if marijuana and alcohol had, if marijuana and other drugs, but especially marijuana had have been as readily available as alcohol, I would have thought that was okay too. Hmm. So yeah. it, it definitely, it definitely, um, it definitely slowed my roll down when it comes to that type of type of thing. Yeah, I guess I, I understand what you're saying there, though. Uh, I, I guess what to kind of square that with uh, the idea that a lot of drug addicts are just going to be a lot of people that do drugs are just going to have such a disposition or a will to do drugs. I guess the way you kind of square that with uh, what you're saying is that uh, perhaps a lot of drugs function as gateways. And uh, if they don't quite get a gateway to something like uh some nasty opiate, then uh, there's a good chance they don't go to like the heroin or some sort of synthetic opiate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think there's people, I'm pretty sure this is true. I think there's people that are, there's plenty of people that, that would never do a drug no matter what. They're just not interested. Uh, and if they did do it, it would be like a one-time thing and hopefully they would be fine. But, and there's people that are just the type of people that engage in that stuff. And that's just their personality. But I think there's some middle ground. I think there's people that are on the fence and they could go either way and not legalizing it could keep them on the, on the straight and narrow. Yeah. I would probably agree with that uh, assessment as well. 
you do have to wonder, and I, maybe this is where you can somewhat uh, be sympathetic, like you, you were bringing up before that uh, you really lambast a lot of drug addicts because they do it for fun and then they get hooked. But it's probably the case that a lot of people probably experiment just a little bit. And I mean, there are trends and there's like psychologists who argue that uh, people who, smarter people tend to experiment a little bit more with substances, even though a lot of them will not get addicted. It's just kind of a weird thing, which uh, I guess seems counterintuitive to some extent, but perhaps it could be. But I, I guess the idea there is that uh, people can get addicted to these, or uh, a lot of people, maybe they'll, they'll try and a little bit and then they'll get addicted and other people, it's not quite as, and they won't get addicted, you know? Right. You do kind of have to wonder about something like that. And uh, how do you, how do you score that with uh, the idea or how do you score that with the idea that uh, drug addicts do it for fun or a lot of drug addicts do it for fun. Therefore you don't really have much sympathy for them. Well, I, I mean, you're taking the risk when you do it. That's, that's how I square it. You know you're taking a risk of getting addicted if you don't know it by now. If, if you know, in the past, and I'm talking about long before I was born, when people were a little bit more naive to drugs, okay, you might not have known. In modern times, I mean, there was the whole just say no to drugs that was pushed by uh, Barbara, not Barbara Bush, um, Ronald Reagan, Nancy Reagan, pushed by Nancy Reagan. Um, you know, there was a big anti drug uh, and anti alcohol. Uh, anti-drunk driving in, in the 70s and 80s and uh, there's no you know they didn't do all the commercials this is your brain and show it eggs and then this is your brain on drugs and they crack the eggs and fry the eggs in the, in the pan you know the whole nine yards the, the one the one commercial i like is where this guy looks like he's in his 20s mid-20s and he's sitting with a friend and he's like i don't know what all these people are talking about marijuana marijuana didn't do anything to me and they're they're laughing and they're you know he's playing and, and screwing around with his guitar, and you hear his mom in the background going, "Billy, are you going to go out and look for a job today?" <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling good today, mom. Maybe tomorrow. And uh, he's like, "Yes, yeah, see, marijuana isn't done anything to me." And then the guy, the you know the the voice actor says, "Don't let marijuana do nothing to you." Uh, that's true though; it kills your motivation. It it uh, it it makes you be a screw off. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of a recap of it. I mean, my my main two kind of arguments against uh, legalizing things like opiates or I guess legalizing old drugs is that there's probably going to be some sort of one is that, uh, like I said, I think it's just always going to be the case. If you increase the supply of something, there's always going to be a, an increased demand, you know, in ex of especially course. drugs. And I don't really see uh, anything to counter that. And uh, I, I guess the, the kind of Vox argument was that... Uh, or maybe this was kind of an undercurrent of it. And I know this is something you obviously very much agree with, but uh, once you legalize drugs, you're going to make it the case that uh, it's going to pretend to a lot of people that, Oh, well, this is okay. Our government wouldn't, uh, wouldn't uh, legalize them if they were dangerous or anything like that. And, that's yeah, and it, it normalizes it. Yeah. I guess normalizing, it's probably a better way of putting it, but yeah, I, absolutely. Those would kind of be the, my two arguments against uh, particularly uh, uh, I guess, legalizing very, very hard drugs. And you know what? I hate it when I talk to people that say um, that are the, a lot of the people that argue to legalize marijuana, they're arguing they their true intention, which they know won't won't fly, is I want to legalize all drugs. And so they'll start out with, well, yeah, but what about marijuana, man? It doesn't do anything to you. But then if you get into a conversation with them, you're like, well, do you just want to you know, legalize marijuana or you want to legalize all drugs? Well, really, you know, and then finally you hear the truth. It's not just marijuana. Marijuana is the, the way, is their foot in the door. And uh, they make the argument that, they're, you know, what's the problem with marijuana? And their real intention 
is to push the for all legal legalization of all drugs. And that, that's been my experience with most people that argue that marijuana should be legalized. Interesting. I don't think I've, I don't think I've pushed the debates on drugs far enough to get to something like that. It, it probably does make sense, though, because the, the main argument you hear for uh, legalizing marijuana tends to be that, uh, well, it's either that, uh, oh, it does no effect, it has no harm to someone, or it's a, it's actually healthy for you or something, which a lot of the statistics indicate that that's BS, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, Well, the it, thing is, how can it be healthy for you? If smoking is bad for you, and even with smoking with a, with a filter on the cigarettes is bad for you, how is smoking marijuana with no filter? And, and instead of just puffing away like a, like a cigarette, you suck it in and hold it in your lungs as long as possible for the greatest effect. Right. How could that possibly be good for you? If you're anti-smoking, how could you be pro-smoking marijuana? Well, it tends to, from what I've seen, uh, I've seen some absolute morons that will say that it's actually good for your lungs somehow, which uh, I've made to <laughs> It's fucking moronic. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm not going to lie. In my teens, in my early 20s, I smoked marijuana. And... I and everybody I knew would get into this, these ridiculous coughing fits. Yeah. It's not good for your, my lungs would like feel like they were on fire. It's not good for you. There's no way it's good for you. Yeah. I, I would probably say though, that uh, the arguments from, I guess, more of the rational potheads in regards to kind of the, it's bad for your lungs is they'll say, look, it's a, uh, it's probably not great, but you're not going to smoke that much weed or at least compared to like a cigarette smoker. So therefore they kind of just bracket that off or say it is what it is, but it's probably not that pernicious at the end of the day. If you're going to do anything and I'm not suggesting anybody do anything, but if you're going to do anything, do edibles. Although edibles is another thing. Edibles is it's very difficult to, to gauge the dosage with edibles. So you might be ingesting a lot more than you realize. Yeah. <laughs> I would say uh, uh, kind of this, if we're just going to recommend stuff or kind of give our two cents, I would say whatever you do, do not do edibles. It's uh, they tend to be much more psychedelic. And uh, if yeah. you're somebody that's, uh, I guess, wants to experiment with weed, which I don't think is that good of an idea, but probably just smoke weed because the high is going to be so much different. The high of uh, doing edibles is going to be so much kind of more psychedelic and kind of potent. Whereas uh, with smoking weed, it's not going to be, <laughs> that would right. be kind of my two cents on it. So I would, I would disagree with you a bit there. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm just, you know, the, the whole lungs thing is my thing. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I, I think I should say that uh, kind of while we're on the tangent of weed, I did want to. This is this is something where I disagree with you a bit, because you seem to be saying that uh, if I understand you correctly, that uh, weed's kind of whatever and we should maybe it should be legalized to some extent, but uh, don't fully legalize it. And it's really no a lot of it's no harm, no foul. Well, I, when it comes to marijuana, it, it, I, I think it should be legalized. I just think it should be highly regulated like alcohol. In other words, you shouldn't be able to, it should, you know, it's kind of like prostitution in, uh, in Nevada. People always think that you can go and get a hooker in, in Las Vegas. You cannot do that. So with marijuana, it's kind of like that. Uh, and it's, you know, like alcohol, you should have to buy it from a licensed dealer that is highly regulated by the government. Because otherwise, you don't even know what's being put in there. It could be what's called wet, where they, you know, they dip it in some sort of, uh, you know, narcotic narcotic solution that that could kill you or cause you to have all sorts of problems. Yeah, well, I, I should say that uh, this is from an article from the Daily Mail that was I thought really good. But I just want to read a quick paragraph at this, and it said, "Sure." In, Cal in California, hospital admissions for cannabis-related co complications have shot up from fourteen hundred in two thousand five to sixteen thousand by twenty nineteen. 
In California and the other 18 states that have legalized cannabis, rates of addiction are nearly 40% higher than states without legal cannabis, according to a research by public by Columbia University. A study published on Thursday suggested recreational marijuana users were 25 more like were 25 times more likely to end up needing emergency hospital treatment. And according to data from the US Fatality Analysis Reporting System, the risk of being involved in a cannabis-related accident is significantly higher in states where the drug is legal. Oh, of course. You think people are getting in wrecks from drunk driving and things of that nature? Yeah, I, I, marijuana doesn't make you aggressive. It doesn't want to make you want to beat somebody or up or rape somebody or, or anything of that nature, rob somebody. But it does, it has the same effects when it comes to driving. Yeah, what? I, I, I should say that uh, I, I could... I could have a, a copy and pasted more from this article, but it's basically going over. If you look at California, which was uh, the first state to uh, make medical use legal, and I think one of the first to uh, make le- make it illegal outright, you tend to see just very pernicious things. You tend to see rates of addiction are much more higher, rates of hospitalization are much more higher, right. all sorts of like nasty pernicious things that uh, I guess people, the legalization advocates, probably weren't uh, weren't quite to. Uh, that, that uh, in their foresight, they didn't see that happening. You saw happen. And I mean, obviously, what's the, the reason for that is it became legalized and it became much more accepted and therefore more and more people did it. And it, it just lead to so many kind of per- pernicious effects, which I guess to kind of your, your kind of stance on it, you could say that, uh, oh, well, something like where it's legalized outright, I perhaps wouldn't support and I would support something like medical marijuana. But I still think once you give it a, a bit of a, uh, kind of a uh, an auspice of uh, it being legalized or it, it there being something legal or legit about this, I think you're going to see rates shooting up and as evidenced by that Columbia kind of poll or that Columbia. Study. Well, also, also um, there in the states that were legalized when they first became legalized, and I'm sure it's probably continuing on now, uh, they would grow marijuana, but they would grow more than what they said they were growing. Uh, and there was, there's several growers that were busted, but they would grow more than what they said they were growing. Uh, than they were letting letting the state know, and they would ship the marijuana around to other states that that weren't, didn't have legalized marijuana, and and make a ridiculous profit in the on the black market, right. So there's that problem as well. Yeah, well, I guess uh, in regards to the states, uh, what I was kind of getting at, and I know you're obviously not contesting this, but uh, it's to some extent a moot point when you look at it in kind of the interstate and that, uh, or kind of. Uh, within a, a particular state that legalized marijuana and that you're just looking at uh, what's happening there and what's happening in another state is a uh, kind of a moot point to that extent. I, I would say that uh, what, what bothers me about marijuana is that I always feel like once you give it an air of legitimacy, that uh, no matter what you do, I just feel like more and more people are going to abuse it. Oh, of course. And uh, I, I really, a lot of people like to think that uh, marijuana is a, uh, is a, either worse or either not as bad as alcohol or is something that should be used recre- recreationally like alcohol is for a lot of people, which if you really look at a lot of the stats on marijuana, it tends to be incredibly addictive. It tends to be people's kind of uh, work drive or their kind of drives tend to be very diminished. It's it's really just not that great for a lot of people that start, start smoking weed. I, I don't think you can do it kind of recreationally like a lot of alcohol, like a lot of people who drink alcohol uh, recreationally and uh, not not to and not see a, a, a lot of kind of decline in your kind of work drive and yeah it kill, kills your motivation yeah whereas with alcohol that's just not the case i i would say though that uh, 
if you're going to be a full-blown alcoholic or kind of like a full-blown pot user, I'm guessing it's probably healthier to be a full-blown kind of pot user, given that you're not, you're not totally destroying your physical body in the process. You know? Well, well, not not to mention the fact the the it's it's a it, I mean there's pluses and minuses to both. So, like I said earlier, uh, the difference between alcohol and marijuana is is that marijuana does not make you aggressive. It doesn't make you want to fight anybody. It doesn't make you want to beat anybody up. It doesn't make you angry. It doesn't make you, um, you know, want to rob a bank or it doesn't make you want to rob somebody or it doesn't make you want to um, destroy things. Uh, be destructive it it doesn't you're not going to rape somebody because you're high it, it, i mean it's just not it just doesn't have that kind of effect on you it really doesn't yeah i would uh i would probably concede that or at least in- so many people commit so many violent crimes and other things of that nature while they're drunk yeah i believe destruction so. of property getting in fist fights robbing people all sorts of things I believe it's about, I believe it's a uh, half of violent crimes uh, have alcohol or alcohol related, which right. does kind of tell you everything you need to know, but that's probably more so people who are abusing it. But uh, sadly, I think, I think alcohol, that genie's out of the bottle. It's been out of the bottle for a long time. And yeah. so well, we could, we could kind of, we could kind of stymie marijuana. We, we, unfortunately alcohol, it's, it's just a done deal. Yeah. Well, typically what they say about alcohol, and I don't hear people bring this up about weed is that. Uh, look, alcohol for a lot of people, it could be fine. They can use it uh, moderately and it can give some sort of, uh, I don't know, enjoyable enjoyment to their lives or what have you. With weed, the problem is you don't quite see that where, you're, where uh, okay, it's it's going to be regardless. Some people are going to have problems with this. With weed, I think it's just much more people are going to have problems with it and not even quite sure how you do it recreationally, you know? Right. Which, uh, I mean, literally so many things are being challenged around weed. Even things like uh, it reducing kind of chronic pain for a lot of people, that's being challenged, you know? I mean, literally a lot of the arguments that you heard in favor of weed, you're kind of seeing a total kind of 180 on, or, or there's becoming evidence to kind of uh, uh, contradict it or undercut it. Well, the main, the main, uh, the main argument I hear for weed is, is not reduction in pain, but reduction in nausea caused by things like uh, chemotherapy for cancer patients. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'm guessing that's that could very well be true. I don't think I've ever heard that many people kind of uh, challenge it or challenge medical marijuana for things like cancer. Where, well, there's other there's other drugs you can use. There's uh, what's it called, Xylopram, right? That you put a, t- a tablet on your tongue and let it dissolve slowly, and it it quells the the nausea feeling, right? So marijuana is not necessary. <laughs> There's nausea pills that don't get you high. I think it's probably just a, an excuse. Yeah, I think I should also say that uh, uh, another thing you see with kind of legalized marijuana in that uh, a lot of it's obviously very taxed. And that's uh, obviously one of the incentives of it for a government, but uh, or the government. But uh, something you find is that uh, a lot of people actually, once you... It, once you kind of get legalized marijuana, you get to the black market actually tends to surge in a lot of these states, given that of course. Uh, you don't have to pay tax or the dealer doesn't have to pay taxes on it. Unlike a, a kind of like, a, a, I guess, regularized marijuana or legalized marijuana. Right. There's, there's no ta- there's no taxes. It, it eliminates a lot of the overhead. Yeah. Therefore, kind of like counterintuitively, uh, the black market actually does skyrockets. Does actually skyrockets in these states, which uh, contrary to what it should be. Well, it's still the case that uh, people still smoke a lot of legalized marijuana. You know, 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, for one thing, a lot of states are not, the, the, the recreational marijuana is not legalized, just uh, medical marijuana. And so it doesn't slow that down at all. It doesn't slow down the black market whatsoever. Yeah. Well, I guess the point with both of those for me is that, uh, like, it's probably the case that uh, once once something becomes more inundated, one, once again, once uh, uh, a segment of the population becomes much more inundated by a certain drug, it's probably, it's very likely going to be the case that uh, they're just going to do more of it. And typically this is done under the guise of uh, some sort of legalization, which is invariably going to legitimize it. And I don't think you could really kind of uh, delineate the, uh, the kind of instances there, therefore, Weed really, or kind of drugs in general, I'm very anti or very uh, reluctant or, or skeptical of any sort of uh, initiative to kind of legalize any of it, you know? Well, yeah, like I said, it's usually usually the people that argue that they want marijuana legalized. Their their real agenda, their hidden agenda, is to legalize all drugs. And I've, I've encountered that several times in discussions with people that advocate for legalizing marijuana. When you really, really break it down, their their ultimate goal is to legalize all drugs, which is absolutely batshit crazy i mean right. if you're if you're if you're uh if your bus driver for your local school is on on heroin does that bus driver have the ability to say i'm not going to use heroin today because i'm uh, i'm driving the kids to school i'll use it afterwards right no not not after a certain point in the addiction yeah and that's if they show up for the job at all but do you really want your bus driver, uh, you know, showing up with heroin in their system. Um, no, horrible yeah. idea. I, I should say another thing about weed, which I kind of just thought of, but I mean, obviously it's the case that uh, your driving is very much diminished once you smoke some weed. There's oh, really course. no, no, I, I've heard, I've heard dipshit pot addicts that argue, oh, I actually, I actually drive better after I smoke. Yeah. Alcohol, which, alcoholics say it too. It's, it's fucking stupid. Yeah. Which, one of the things you have to look at is that at the very least of alcohol, you can measure someone's blood alcohol level on the spot and you can see whether or not they're, they're, uh, they're fine to drive or it's, you could start to question whether, whether or not they should actually be driving with marijuana. You don't really find this. It's, it's, they can kind of do it, but once you kind of have some in your blood, it's not quite clear what happens. And a lot of States, it's just that, okay, well, you're smoking it a little bit, but you didn't smoke that many. So we're kind of using it to comparing if alcohol, you might be okay. Or it really kind of boils down to they're just not quite sure. So a lot of times they're not going to be arrested if they uh, get pulled over. That's probably unless they committed some sort of accident. But you see in a lot of other countries where they say, you know, where they tend to be much more kind of stringent on a, a driving on drugs, where they say, OK, you smoke marijuana. We can't gauge this. So therefore, we're just going to assume you're driving impaired, you know, which uh, is kind of a byproduct. And obviously, a lot of people are going to smoke weed while driving. So something like that's going to be uh, kind of inv uh, invariably going to happen. Well, and, and for some reason, dr people that are into drugs over here think that all drugs are legal in Amsterdam. And uh, you, can just, you can just drug it up in Amsterdam. That's not true. It's just not true. Uh, number one, yes, marijuana is legal in, in marijuana cafes. It's like, go it's like going to a city in the, in the United States and saying, well, alcohol is legal. Yeah, alcohol is legal if you go inside a bar and drink it. You can't walk down the street drinking a, you know, a, a bottle of tequila. You can't hang out at the park drinking a bottle of, of, uh, of moonshine. It's not how it works. And that's the same with Amsterdam. You can't just walk around smoking marijuana down the sidewalk or in a park because you will be arrested. It's, yeah. it's legal specifically in cafes that have a license for it. 
But why people are, you know, just people are so goddamn stupid. They 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 hear one thing and they just go with it. I really have no respect for humanity. People are so so fucking stupid. It's painful. Yeah, I I can say that uh, a lot of kind of the from my own anecdotes, whenever I talk about drugs with people that uh, tend to like them or tend to be sympathetic with them, I typically hear the most dipshit arguments possible that make no sense. <laughs> of course, that's really been kind of uh, my sense of it, which says that uh, okay, if the people who use drugs, if the people who use drugs have such like a, a I don't know, such a goofy kind of stance on them or a goofy sense of what they actually do. That probably shows that a lot of one, they're probably not using drugs uh, properly or aptly or properly. And uh, it's probably the case that uh, <laughs> one is that they're just going to do a bunch of stupid shit. And therefore the arguments for this, that's the arguments for the arguments for kind of drug legalization. We should kind of view through to the people that actually use them. And uh, they're pretty Ex bad. You know? Ex exactly. Base whether you should legalize drugs partially on, I think one of the factors should be the nature, the character of the people that argue, that advocate for it, because most of them are a bunch of, you know, loopy dipshits that 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 uh, very unstable uh, flakes that can't be trusted and, and irresponsible. And so judge their arguments, not just based on their arguments, but based on where it's coming from. And yeah. If you base it where it's on where it's coming from, you're going to, you know, off the bat, you're going to be like, no, nah, this is not. This is not the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> when everybody that argues for it, or most of the people that argue for it, are some uh, you know flaky dipshit, that's that's not a good sign. Right. Yeah. I I think we're probably shifting gears a bit here. Uh, we, we've kind of a, a reference, particularly with kind of opiates, which uh, is typically which is probably going to be a big battleground for legalizing drugs, and that uh, you're just going to see a lot of people just abuse, abuse drugs like that. We've obviously both uh, argued that. Uh, you're just going to see an increase in it. You're going to see it become, get, get kind of some sort of air of legitimacy. And you're just going to see what you see in the United States, which is just a surge in kind of drug deaths and kind of drug related uh, uh, incidents, which you, which, I mean, you tend to find that uh, a lot of kind of the, the kind of people who advocate for more kind of liberal or libertarian policies on drugs, they'll kind of uh, reference the kind of Portuguese model, which uh, I think I would like to play a video on that from uh, Bloomberg. Sure. And uh, they they legalized they legalized uh, or to some extent drugs or decriminalized drugs in two thousand one. And uh, this is a video that does a good job in uh, conveying uh, the effects of that. Back in the nineteen nineties, Portugal faced a heroin crisis. One in a hundred people were using the drug. It took something drastic to turn things around. Here's how Portugal kicked the habit. While the Western world experienced the social and cultural revolution of the 60s, Portugal was kept isolated by the dictator Antonio Salazar. In 1974, the Carnation Revolution overthrew his oppressive Estado Novo regime, and the Portuguese people were suddenly exposed to newfound freedoms. Censorship was at an end. Freedom of speech restored, elections promised, and most important of all, the end of Portugal's colonial wars in Africa. This was the catalyst that would lead to Portugal's problem. Attitudes towards drugs and experimentation were relaxed. At the same time, the population grew, with up to a million people arriving from the colonies, just as the country fell into a severe economic depression. As if on cue, 
cheap heroin from Afghanistan and Pakistan flooded Europe. While most countries had experienced fighting drugs, rural Portugal wasn't prepared. By the 90s, an estimated 1% of the population was using heroin. It was almost impossible to find a single family in Portugal that had no problems uh, connected to, uh, to drugs. Dr. João Gulau formed part of a team of healthcare professionals to rethink how Portugal dealt with drugs. Feeling like they had nothing to lose, their solution was radical. On July 1st, 2001, Portugal became the first country in the world to decriminalize all drugs. What that means is while they remain illegal, possessing small amounts of anything from cannabis to cocaine or even heroin doesn't result in arrest. Users aren't considered as criminals, but rather treated as patients in a health-first approach. Instead of facing a judge, they meet a dissuasion panel made up of lawyers, social workers and medics. Before decriminalization, around 90% of funds spent on fighting drugs went on enforcement and just 10% on healthcare. After 2001, that was reversed. Critics claimed the change in law might encourage users and even attract drug tourists. And there is some evidence that suggests small increases in reported drug use. But advocates of decriminalization say that drug users are more likely to find help if they know they won't be locked up. The number of Portuguese in rehab programs rose from just over 6,000 in 1999 to nearly 26,000 in 2008. While those using heroin has fallen from about 100,000 to around 50,000 today. And drug-related deaths have fallen dramatically. In 2015, Portugal had just six deaths per million people, the lowest in Western Europe, and a tiny fraction of that in the US. The numbers show just how remarkable Portugal's turnaround has been. Due to its geography, it serves as a gateway for trafficking into Europe. So stamping out drugs just isn't realistic. Instead, it's shown that a humane and health-led approach can be much less damaging to society. Okay. Yeah. What do you? What, what's your take on that? Well, I think there's a couple a couple things I think we should highlight on. So first, it, it essentially says, look, you had a much more stringent uh, kind of regime, maybe borderline fascist. I'm not quite sure of the history of uh, Portugal, unlike, sure. uh, but uh, hmm. where it was the case that uh, look, drug use was much more was a uh, it was a uh, if you did drugs, you were persona non grata, and uh, you were probably going to get the the foot of law law kind of smashing down or the hand of law kind of smashing down on you. And then right away when the, I guess the country changed and uh, drugs became much more kind of legalized or probably much more decriminalized, you saw a huge influx in drug abuse, you know? So I think regardless of what you say, I think that very much needs to kind of be thrown in this calculus. And uh, exactly. Yeah. Which uh, obviously the other, the other point is that uh, from reading this is that, like you say, you see things like where 1% of the population was on heroin in 1999, drug, drug, uh, drug reach skyrocketed. And then all of a sudden they, they seemingly, I guess, decriminalized it or, or I guess they did in effect decriminalize it. And all the trends that you saw with drug addiction actually went down, which uh, seems. Well, kind of to, to, here's what it's like. It's like, it's like having, it's like, it's like when they have sales during the holidays. The the the, uh, the drug use goes way 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 up. They decriminal. It skyrockets further, and then slowly comes back down. But even when it comes back down, it's still, it's still higher than originally. 
yeah, to some extent, it it does show that the 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 death rate was at at uh, has gone down uh, substantially. Is actually lower than Europe and actually lower than the EU average, even though it was a at the I believe they had the highest or they were the zenith as far as a drug deaths went in the EU. And uh, I'm trying to find a, a quick. Uh, oh well, yeah, I, I definitely. Uh, Sorry, I, I was going to read something from Time, and this kind of uh, does a good job of going over a lot of kind of the cases. It says, in Portugal, meanwhile, the drug-induced death rate has plummeted to five times lower than the EU average and stands at one-fiftieth of the United States. Its rates, rate of HIV infection has dropped from 104.2 new cases per million in 2000 to 0.42 million per, uh, 4.2 cases per million in 2015. Drug use has declined over overall among the 15 to 24 uh, year old population, those most at risk of initiating drug use, which uh, kind of does another good job of underscoring where it's kind of, uh, I guess, the rosy effects of this. Right. I, I would say the only thing which, which tends to be kind of thrown out the wayside uh, when a lot of kind of more liberal advocates of drug uh, legalization uh, talk about this. And this is kind of my, this is kind of my two cents on it is that they talk about decriminalization. So once again, it's not legalized. It just means that if you get caught with it, you're not necessarily going to be prosecuted. But you go into rehab. Well, you get prosecuted, but you don't get you don't get put in prison. You go into rehab. Yeah. Well, this is kind of where they're kind of being oblivious to that. And they're not telling the full truth. That if you I, look, and I I have a feeling that there's a limit to how many rehabs they'll put you in. Right. Yeah. That's that is a you do have to wonder that. But this is where it's kind of a misnomer. <laughs> and it's a, typically when you hear people getting in America, the discourse is typically when you hear about uh, legalizing drugs, it's that. Uh, you know, if you do drugs, it's going to be like some some cities now where if they catch you with it, they're not even necessarily going to take it away. They're just going to offer you rehab and you can keep kind of shooting up or doing what you want. And oftentimes in public, that's not at all what's going on in Portugal. No, if you actually look at a lot of these kind of drug tribunals or where they where they refer you to. It's these things can actually be incredibly stringent. And while it's the case that uh, they're they're typically not going to say, OK, you have to go to prison for this. They can they can. Uh, uh, decree that you have to go to a rehab and you have to go by law or else you're going to be arrested. And that yeah. happens in a lot of these things. It's, it's go to, go to rehab or go to prison. Right. Yeah. Which tends to be kind of a misnomer, which, which is something I see. And they, they obviously always talk that, Oh, we should go the Portuguese model where we kind of decriminalize it. And uh, we're going to get much more rosy effects, which it's almost in a way that they're kind of de facto as much as stringent, uh, just as stringent on drugs as we are. The only difference is that, uh, if you get, if you get, if you go, if I guess if you abuse drugs, you go immediately to a rehab, you know, which right. just isn't really kind of thrown in, which people seemingly don't understand this when they bring up a Portuguese Portugal as far as decriminalization. Which, well, to be honest with you, that happens quite a bit here. Yeah. When people are arrested, there's people that have gone to drug court. They call it drug court. They use people to go to drug court three or four or five times before they end up going to prison. Yeah. I know somebody like that. You know who I'm talking about. I think so. So that happens here. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I still think you have to wonder, because uh, kind of the, the point I was going with is maybe it's the case in like the video reference that uh, at first, like uh, the amount of money that was spent on drug addicts, about 90% of it was spent on uh, kind of keeping them in prison and only 10% was spent on rehabilitation. And then they did a total one inversion where it's now 90% spent on rehabilitation efforts. But the question you do have to wonder is, okay, if we view the kind of the policies of Portugal as a success, which I have no reason to think it wasn't a success, that 
how exactly then, well, one, what exactly happened there? And uh, as evidenced by what you said with uh, the thing about that, we have a lot of drug courts that shows that uh, they're doing at the very least doing something different than we are and they're doing it more effectively. And also two, how, how can you kind of replicate those results? You know? Yeah. There has to be some sort of difference. It's kind of like when we were talking about, we were talking about um, the draft, everybody's drafted in, in, uh, in Israel, but the difference is it's a much more homogenous society and ours isn't. And I, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. So there might be some sort of difference in, in Portugal that we're not quite, we're not quite grasping. Yeah. I think I should also say that, uh, this came from the New York Times, and I'm not going to read it, but I didn't realize this, and I, it's surprising that this didn't come up But uh, in most of the stuff I read, but the drug rate, I guess the, the murder rate in Portugal jumped by 40% right after they decriminalized drugs. Oh, yeah. Por- Portugal is a very dangerous country. Most people don't realize that, but Portugal is an extremely dangerous country. Yeah. There's nowhere I would recommend anybody go. Yeah. Which I guess the article, this, this New York Times article was uh, inferring that to basically the reason why you saw murder a surge in murder rate what once they really, once they uh, decriminalized drugs um, even though it's the case that uh, drug use went down or a lot of the pernicious effects of drug use went down was because okay Portugal became kind of the gateway to get drugs into Europe and that just kind of surged a, that caused a surge in kind of gang violence you know right which there's still somewhat problems with that, though, because as the video as the video made clear, uh, Portugal still, if you deal drugs, you're still viewed as a criminal. You know? Yeah, the, the, that's what most people don't seem to realize. They get these this idea of places like Amsterdam and Portugal, and that you know the idea is that okay, well now all drugs are legal. It's legal to deal drugs. It's legal to do drugs anywhere anyhow no no restrictions and that's just simply not true that's some ha- you know the, the person people that believe that must be high when they come up with that idea because it's just not true we have a lot of fucking morons around in the world that uh that know just a little bit of information and uh and that's what they go with without really digging in deep to to what's actually going on in those countries there's a lot of lot of things that exist in other countries that we were like, oh my god, I can't believe how how. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a good example, a little bit of a side tangent. Oh my god, I can't believe that uh, Christianity is so involved in our politics. But if you look at some of the Scandinavian countries, the, the religion they have a state religion, right? But people people are too goddamn stupid to see that, right? They know, but, they, they they know nothing, and they and they talk like they know everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially in England, but, uh, or the UK. Yeah. Church of England. I, I guess I maybe kind of taking a stab at maybe one of the reasons why it might be different, uh, or maybe one of the reasons why they've had such kind of rosy kind of results from this is that, uh, it could have also, it could have been the case that look up till about the seventies drug use was very, very regulated. And, uh, we were, they were much more kind of heavy handed and stringent on it. And you didn't have as much drug use, which, it could have been a reason why why uh, there was such a drastic why there was such a substantial shift once they kind of decriminalized drugs is that uh, maybe maybe it was viewed as a, okay well we've we've already lived in a country where there was no drug use and it wasn't that long ago so we can kind of harken back to it and kind of reference back to it and a lot of people know what that was like and maybe that was might might have been the difference where people could at the very least kind of envision that you know <clears throat> whereas in the United States there doesn't seem to be anything quite as plausible or uh, kind of plausible example of that you know. I know this is going to sound extreme, but I like Singapore. I like Singapore. And I don't like Singapore on everything because it's actually illegal to chew gum in Singapore, which is ridiculous, I think. But Singapore used to be 
bad for drugs, really bad. And now the, the law is that if you're a drug dealer or drug smuggler, you're executed immediately. Yeah. Um, if you're a drug user, first you go to boot camp. Then you go, then your second strike, you go to prison. Third strike, you get executed with the drug dealers and the drug smugglers. Right. And, and that, that puts a whole other spin on being a drug addict and not wanting to listen and not wanting to cooperate. They, they give you rehab. But if you, if you refuse the rehab and you just keep fucking up, then eventually they give you a dirt nap. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, that certainly does... Uh... I mean, you could look at all the countries where they're incredibly stringent on drugs, and uh, it pretty much all it pr is pretty much always the case that people don't do drugs. <laughs> There's not as uh, uh, as much of an epidemic of drug use. Right. There's still drug drug users and drug drug smugglers, but when they when they do it, they know that they're they're going to die. Yeah. What also could have been? I'm wondering, kind of the Portuguese taking one last stab at uh, maybe what the difference is. Uh, from the rest of the countries, especially the United States, where they still do have a decent amount of these kind of rehabilitation or rehabilitation open to a lot of people. It could have been that uh, once again, the mindset of a lot of these addicts was that, okay, for whatever reason, we have to go there if we get busted and we have to do it for, or else uh, maybe it's going to be, we're going to get a much more perverse punishment in prison. Or maybe it just became kind of like an ethos that, okay, if we get addicted, then we have to go to these kind of drug centers and we have to just kind of, uh, I guess, just kind of uh, grapple with that, you know? Right. Whereas in the United States, it seems to be the case that uh, a lot of people, they'll keep getting arrested and they'll keep getting arrested and they'll just get out and uh, it's not as big of a problem. But I would also say that uh, kind of the, you kind of brought up in the United States has drug or a lot of rehabilitation options, which it tends not to be the case that you're you're required to actually go to them, you know, which a lot of them they can just no, it's, it's it's voluntary. Yeah, which uh, with a lot of these drug as as I've already said, a lot of these kind of uh, these drug panels that uh, recommend uh, what you do, a lot of these things seem to be very involuntary. You just have to go, or else right. you a, a pretty perverse punishment. Which I guess still there is the question of why do so many people end up going. Uh, to those things and uh, I guess seemingly not abuse as much as they did which uh, you know I'm I, not familiar with Portugal's prisons but I would say they're probably not too nice yeah well I mean prison's prison you know uh, no there's some prisons that are, you ever watch that show called the worst prisons in the world there's some there's some pretty nasty goddamn prisons out there yeah there's also we, have, we, we have super nice prisons compared to a lot of countries yeah well I mean I think our prisons still probably suck. I, I imagine it's oh, probably, I'm sure. probably pretty similar to a lot of Portugal. I know particularly like a lot of the more Northern European countries, they'll, they'll have actually nice or fairly nice prisons where you'll actually get a room and you can actually kind of, Oh well, yeah. The, the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. Like, like going on a goddamn vacation. Yeah. Which uh, I don't think Portuguese prisons are anything closer to that. I'm guessing they're probably similar to the United States. I, I could be wrong on that. It, it might be the case that once again, that, uh, kind of like we saw in a lot of these other countries that the punishment is so horrible that uh, they don't, uh, they don't like going to prison, which uh, the, there's still the problem with that. And that uh, it showed that uh, so many people were in prison for drugs. So that maybe that's probably not that good of an explanation for what the difference is or what to happen in the Portuguese case. Right. I, I probably lean in on a lean in, lean in on it. The fact that uh, people keep bringing up that the United States should decriminalize it. And that's, uh, that's the, that's what they take away is the essence from the Portuguese uh, model, which uh, I think the essence is probably, they're probably just much more stringent on it. They're just stringent on it in a different way. You know? Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, the people that say that the point to the Portuguese model, as we said a moment ago, are, are people that are ignorant of what the Portuguese model really is. 
they think it's just legalize everything and don't worry about it. And that's not how it works. That's that definitely not how they, they do it. Uh, it's forced uh, rehab. Uh, and if you don't go to rehab, then you go to prison. Right. So it's forced rehab. We, we have court drug courts here. Unfortunately, they're voluntary. And you're, you're an attorney, works out something with the prosecutor and the judge to try to get you into drug court and try to get you into a, a rehab. Whereas there, you're going to rehab. There's no, there's no discussion about it. Yeah. Well, I think we should say that uh, kind of uh, hearkening back to the, US, the United States model uh, in regards to kind of drug overdoses, which, which I think really makes the argument for us is that, as I, as I already said, if you look at the kind of uh, the rate of uh, drug overdose deaths per capita uh, in 1999, it was three. And in the 2010s, it was six. So that's obviously when you see kind of an influx of uh, uh, opiates or they become so salient that so many people are using and abusing them that they end up dying. Right. Which in 2020, the, the, the drug, uh, the drug death per capita or, or the per capita, I guess, overdose death was 28.3. Okay. Right. And that was 31% higher than it was in uh, 2019 at about 21.6, which I mean, you, it's pretty obvious what's going on here, which uh, at first, uh, throughout most of the 2000s, it was pretty much just opioids. And then around 2010 or late 2000s, a lot of people started shift, uh, uh, switching over to heroin because it was just easier to get. And uh, instead of having to do like 30 pills or what have you, or probably not 30, but a bunch of them, you could just get high off heroin. And it was a much more efficient way to get high. Yeah. Well, not, not to mention the fact that they had to jump through all sorts of hoops to get a hold of the opioids. And with heroin, you just go out on the street and buy it. Yeah. And then uh, beginning around the mid 2010s, you started seeing obviously the uh, advent of synthetic opioids. And that's yep. obviously just kind of shot up kind of drug overdose deaths, which this is this is coming from the CDC where they view three rise of uh, three waves of uh, opioid deaths. And uh, obviously about 2010, it's heroin. And before that, it's opioids. And then it's uh, all synthetic opioids. Well, now the disgusting part is, is, is it's coming out of China. It's going through Mexico and coming up across the border. And they've actually discovered shipments <clears throat> where the, the drugs look like candy. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. And now, if that's not designed for kids, what is? They look like, they look like those uh, sweet tarts called Smarties. Right. And, and they look like candy. They're, they're indistinguishable from candy. Right. So if that's not designed to, to get young people, especially kids, I don't know what is. They're trying to create a, a future market. Right. Well, I don't and know. That, that, that's absolutely reprehensible. I, I think anybody that caught with smuggling that should be executed. Period. Immediately. Yeah. I don't think I've read as many uh, anecdotes on like their them like trashing at the kids in that way but uh, that's obviously horrible i i do know a big problem with this and you can hear anecdotes on this where or i mean i think there's actually like actual case studies on this but uh where uh, uh a lot of things like xanax or some sort of benzodiazepine which people like to get high off high on they'll in effect just switch that out with synthetic opiates and then a lot of people just overdose and die from that you know right which to me that's like one of the most pernicious like a uh, kind of like sleight of hand or equivocation uh in regards to uh kind of drug use uh, in, in synthetic opioids. Yeah, something <clears throat> something has to be done about the opioid epidemic. I, I don't know what it is other than truly shutting down the Mexican border. And it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of people that are interested in doing that. Right. Yeah, that's that does be kind of the, the only way, which uh, I, 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 I should Nine, say Let me tell you this. 90% of heroin comes across the Mexican border. 
90%. Right. That's not good. All right. That's the, that's a, that's a source of a lot of addiction and a lot of death. Yeah. Well, the other thing with synthetic opioids and kind of to your point is that uh, if you, if you look in kind of our, our history of kind of drug abuse, there's, there've been a lot of drugs that uh, we actually just cut off because there was like an integral. So there was like one like key ingredient of it that, could, that was needed to, to produce it. And once you didn't have that, uh, you couldn't produce it. The biggest one of this is probably, or there's a couple of big ones. One is a, a quaaludes where it was like a big pharmaceutical drugs that a lot of people love to abuse. And yes. there's literally no more quaaludes anymore just because uh, it was outlawed by the pharmaceutical companies. Another big yeah, one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cause it was used. It was, it was the original, you know how they call, you know how rehypnol is called the, the date rape drug. The original date rape drug was, was, uh, was, um, quaaludes. Quaaludes. Yeah. Well, another one they did this with is a lot of ecstasy. It needs like, it's one of its main ingredients is like something that comes from like tree bark. That's uh, only available in like the, I think some Pacific Island, I can't quite remember. And uh, they obviously just cut that off right at the source. And uh, you actually see this to some extent. There was a really good, one of the best frontline documentaries I ever watched was on meth. And they made the point that uh, if you look at meth, uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of like the main ingredients you can get from like kind of cough medicine. And yeah. It's, it's. it's yeah. A lot, most, most, if not all pharmacies now keep their cough medicine um, behind the counter. Yeah. Which it's a, I think there's also labs where you could get it from or labs that produce that ingredient. I'm forgetting the, the chemical compound, but uh they, they say that, uh, and you can actually look at this where they've actually regulated it much more stringently, that particular compound, and you saw rates of meth, you saw a direct correlation between uh, meth abusers from the time they actually started to diminish the, the supply of it, you know? Of course. Which uh, they argue that uh, you could basically just essentially just de facto outlaw that one chemical and, and all of its kind of like mainstream kind of uh, uses and make it such that no labs in the world actually will produce it. And uh, that would ultimately just kind of uh, repudiate a lot of repudiate the drug epidemic, or yeah, that, that. that would that would solve that would wouldn't completely solve the meth problem, but it would reduce it. It would it would really really make a huge dent in it. Yeah, which the question is, how exactly do you do that with the uh, synthetic opiates? Which uh, one one you could say that uh, it's probably uh, too far fetched, and that uh, I mean we're seeing like drug cartels uh, make synthetic opiates. I mean, it's not, it's not like there's like one key ingredient that uh, if they're cut off from that, then they're just screwed, you know? Right, right. Yeah, they can, they can create their own labs. There's no one specific uh, ingredient that you can cut off to keep them from making it. And that's why it's, it's a much more difficult problem. Yeah. Which obviously you can take the route of just shutting off the Mexican border, which I obviously very much would support, but it's not even. Yeah, we need that wall. We need, we need all sorts of things to make sure that people don't come across that Mexican border illegally. We just do, whether it's a person just trying to come across for whatever reason, or if it's a drug dealer or, you know, sex trafficker or child trafficker, whatever, we need to shut that border down. Right. And for some reason, there's, it seems like both sides, I mean, mostly the liberals, but also a lot of conservatives are just truly not invested in shutting that border down, securing that border, which is absolutely goddamn ridiculous. A country without borders, without secure, regulate, well-regulated borders, is not a country. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think I should say that uh, one of the things I've always thought, and one of the things I've always thought in regards to synthetic opioids, is that uh, I'm wondering if uh, I've always wondered if synthetic opioids ultimately makes a good evidence or it makes a good argument for uh, 
legalizing drugs. And that's because so many, cause I mean, our drug death rate has uh, literally, literally went up by three, threefold since uh, the advent of synthetic opioids. And I've always right. wondered, uh, could, could it actually be a good argument that uh, maybe we should just legalize a lot of like uh, drugs and particularly mass produce like painkillers because it'll be the case that, look, these are just much harder to overdose on than synthetic opioids. And you'd ultimately, I guess, in a way, just outright kind of cut off the black market. And I always wonder. I, 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 I don't think so. I think what would happen is, is they would get really, really high on painkillers and then they would want to take it up a notch. Yeah, I, I, I was going to give my reason for not liking that. I would okay. maybe disagree a bit because if it's uh, totally legalized, like a lot of people argue, uh-huh. it's. From my understanding, a lot of the reason why people switched over to things like heroin initially was just because it was so expensive and so hard to get that that was just a much more efficient high, you know, right. which I, I I should say that uh, the, the kind of one thing, the reason why I, I disagree with that is that uh, one, the big one is that, OK, people can just do methadone, you know, exactly. <laughs> it's like give people access, they give people a way out for a lot of drug addiction and for people that can't get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Methadone is is a, is a, is an addictive drug. And it's not as addictive as, as uh, other drugs, which is why they use methadone. But methadone, you're, you're not really curing the people of their addiction. You're just kind of putting a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. Well, at the very least, eventually, they're just not going to get high off it, you know. Right. Which, uh, yeah, I should say the other reason uh, why it's not a good idea to kind of legalize them is that, I mean, we saw a huge upshoot originally just because we legalized or painkillers to the degree we did or normalize them to the degree we did. And if we outright legalize all of them, I think you can only, you can only imagine all the hell that's going to break loose, you know? Oh, it would, it, it would, it would be pandemonium. You'd have drug, you'd have uh, people, you'd have uh, people of all walks of life becoming drug, drug addicts. Uh, you would normalize it with kids. You would normalize it with the, with the society in general. And uh, it would just, it would just be pure chaos and things would devolve into uh into anarchy it would be one of the worst decisions this country could ever make i mean basically it would be suicide yeah yeah the only thing you do have to wonder though is that uh our uh our our uh, our deaths from drugs rate has uh, absolutely skyrocketed as, as i already said and uh, you do have to wonder is there any really good way to kind of bring that down and unfortunately i don't think there is you know which maybe you could try to implement some sort of like a portuguese model but as, as uh, a, how, how about execute drug dealers and and uh, drug smugglers two things we can do that would, that would really stymie the the drug problem number one secure the mexican border number two execute drug dealers and drug smugglers make it the death penalty mm. yeah i mean you'd pretty much be entering in kind of a singapore uh singaporean model right there you know right right which uh I mean, the problem is, is that uh, a lot of people would probably be very emotional about that, and they would think that that's just uh, maybe cruel and unusual punishment or something along those lines. I, you know, I, I, if it's going to be the drug dealer dying or the drug smuggler dying or, or a ton of people because of those drugs, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people dying because of those drugs, I'll, I'll take the few drug dealers and drug smugglers. Yeah, I mean, it probably would be an effective policy. The only problem would be that, uh, one, I don't think it could ever come to fruition, given that so many people would, uh, I guess, disagree with it so thoroughly. And, right. Well, really, that's kind of the only reason why I don't think it would ever come to fruition. But uh, if, I mean, if, if something like, if a policy like that was actually enacted, I'm sure it would actually kind of pay dividends. I'm sure. Oh, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it would. Well, those three things, ex- execute drug dealers, 
execute drug smugglers and secure the Mexican border. That, that would solve so much, so much of the problems with drugs and child and, and child and sex trafficking. It would solve that as well. Yeah. Uh, not completely. You know, there's other, other means that people do. People bring uh, people over and uh, from uh, Eastern Europe and, and uh, do sex trafficking, but it would solve the child trafficking to a, to a great extent. And it would solve the, the drug smuggling. When you when ninety percent of heroin comes across the Mexican border and you shut that down, that's not going to be that's, that's that means you've eliminated ninety percent of the heroin coming into this country. Yeah, that's, well, that, that's a that's a hell of a dent to make. Yeah, I, I should say something that I typically take umbrage with is that uh, I hear so many. This is something I see on Twitter, and maybe it's something people see in their real lives too. Just uh, talking with people, but. Uh, They'll argue like, oh, well, there was a major drug bust and a lot of and a lot of typically conservatives will show will highlight and say this is not a good thing or say that this this ultimately doesn't uh, uh, portend good things. And then a lot of liberals will be like, oh, well, they're actually shutting down the border. So what are you trying to say? They're actually stopping the drug dealers, which the whole point there is that there's so much that's getting through, you know. Right. If that's if that's the if that's the amount that they're catching, then that ultimately shows that a lot more is getting through. And I, I always take umbrage because so many people do not understand that when people make that argument. Anyway, well, the the DEA and the borders and border border security and ICE, they all tell you that the drug deal, drugs. Everybody tells you at the airports, at the border. Everybody says that there's only they only catch a drop in the bucket. And so when they do a giant drug bust and they're like, oh, see, see, it's effective. No, it's not. No, it's not. They're catching a small drop. Right. So it's not really effective. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. So, but yeah, execute the drug dealers, execute the, the drug smugglers and, uh, and shut down the Mexican border. And if we, we did all that, I would have no problem with trying to go with the Portugal model. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it obviously worked, but uh, I'm not even quite sure. The Portuguese. I'm not model. sure. I'm not sure it would work. That's the problem. Yeah. I, I think at, at the very, I, I think what uh, at least I was trying to convey with the Portuguese model is that, uh, well, there's obviously something to look there. The kind of liberal argument of uh, they just outright decriminalize drugs and, uh, they, I guess, really from the perspective that they just decriminalize drugs, really is a misnomer. They're arguably a little bit more stringent on drugs than we are here. You know, right. I think that's what I'd like to kind of see. And uh, for for a lot of kind of the the pro legalization arguments, I think that that ultimately shows that, or in regards to a lot of the pro legalization arguments and the people that make that that uh, I guess uh, profess those views, I think that ultimately shows that uh, your view is a little bit more untenable than you think it is. And uh, right, I kind of want to display. With that. No, because their view is is based on minimal information. Right. They don't they don't they don't read the they don't read the article. They read the headline. Yeah. So they just get the they just you know they just get the headline that uh, drugs were were legalized, and they don't see the specifics. Yeah. And so it's it's not nearly what they think it is. Yeah. I think we've pretty much, uh, I guess one last point I would make is that uh, I think somebody could argue with uh, a lot of the points we made about marijuana, or I guess myself in particular, they could argue that we were, that or the argument was, or the argument we tended to make was that one, you're getting kind of an air of legitimacy, and also two, you're massively increasing the supply. And I imagine a lot of people would kind of counter a bit with marijuana and say that, uh, oh, well, you're actually, 
well, marijuana, there's such like a rampant supply of it that uh, it does show it does undercut one of your premises because if there's such a massive supply of it and the rates of it differ in very differ in various places, then that shows then the the idea that there being a slew of drugs and uh, I guess there being such an inordinate amount of it. And given that there's such an inordinate amount of it out and about that it's uh, in effect uh, de facto legalized shows that uh, your argument with marijuana is ultimately unfounded. And I guess I would say that, uh, well, I think that's the case. And I also, I also think that uh, legalizing a lot of drugs is ultimately or drugs being so uh, 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 there being such a rampant supply of it, such that anyone can get it does give an air of legitimacy to it. Right. I do think the fact of uh, it not being illegal or it's, uh, it's ultimately uh, being, a, uh, a, I guess, criminalized to some extent in other places is going to make it such that uh, a lot of like more normal people aren't going to do weed. And I think that or kind of a lot of more middle class people are going to stray away from marijuana. And yeah, I, it, it does. It doesn't it doesn't normalize it. Let's let's let, I got to I have something I need to take care of. So let's wrap so you things up. Yeah, that was okay, so, the main point. But yeah. OK. okay. All right. So. This has been uh, should we legalize drugs? Uh, I think the conclusion is, is that me and brighter leaders say no. I don't think we should. Do you disagree? Oh, yeah, it's you know, right on the. That's exactly what I agree with. Absolutely. Okay, so that we've we, we've discussed it. We've discussed it from all the possible angles, and we've come to the conclusion: yeah, don't legalizing all drugs is not a good idea. It's not a good idea for the United States. Um, so. Uh, this has been the Conservative Atheist Podcast, and of course, I've always been joined always by my co-host, Brighter Later, and uh, we drop a podcast Monday through Friday, um, Sunday night at midnight, going into fr- uh, Monday morning, uh, so 12.01 Monday morning, the first one drops, last one drops uh, Friday, uh, Thursday night, going into Friday morning, after 12.01 Friday morning. <clears throat> they last anywhere from an hour to two hours to three hours, depending on the topic we're talking about and depending on who we're interviewing, what guests we're interviewing. We do a lot of interviews. In fact, we're doing one this coming Wednesday for this coming Wednesday show. Uh, I've also started dropping episodes of moronic roundtable discussions. That's where a bunch of morons get together and they discuss issues. They argue that the earth is flat. They argue that uh, the government's creating half frog, half robots, uh, hybrids, cyborgs that uh, kill insects so they can ultimately kill us and uh, all cor- sorts of crazy, crazy things that the, that the, um, oh, uh, that vaccines are ways to kill us or to track us, just all sorts of crazy stuff. So <clears throat> that, that, that comes out um, Friday morning into Saturday morning after 1201 Saturday morning. Um, and that lasts usually an hour or so. Um, just a bunch of morons having a stupid conversation. It's amusing and annoying at the same time. It's called again. It's called moronic roundtable discussions. And I think that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you leave a comment. With it's, it's a positive comment or a negative comment, either a comment in text or leave us a voicemail. Either one. Um, we like feedback, whether it's positive or negative. And before you go to sleep tonight. When you're laying in the dark, on your back, in the bed, and staring up at the ceiling, and you're starting to drift off into sleep, I want you to repeat this mantra over and over and over again. Conservative atheist is always right. 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 
hey, conservative atheist, he's always right. And when you wake up in the morning, you'll be a refreshed person. The sun will shine brighter. The air will feel crisper. The flowers will smell sweeter. The birds will sing your name. And all will be right with the world. And if it's not, you need to listen to more Conservative Atheist podcast. All right, you knuckleheads. We'll catch you another time.